Well, I was pretty excited when Doug asked me to, uh, to do the uh, uh, scripture this morning because it's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it shows uh, Jesus playfully messing with the disciples uh, on the beach. And number two, it describes a very lovely scene in the early morning with a fire on the beach and Jesus cooking breakfast for the disciples. And these two things to me are strong evidence and just a, another reflection of how much Jesus loved his disciples. So here we go with John 21, verses 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered together there were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, uh -huh, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they, got, when they had gone to the shore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of a large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Well, as Ben said, it's wonderful to see so many of you here in the sanctuary and I wanna welcome everyone who's joining us online and on a Sunday where I'm gonna be talking about defeating distractions. It's harder for those of you who are watching at home because you have all your house stuff around you. Those of you here in the sanctuary, there's not quite as much to distract you from paying attention to what's going on in this space right now. So 
kudos to all of you watching at home and hanging in there and staying focused. How easily are you distracted from the more important things in your life? For example, if you're married and your spouse starts talking to you, how easily are you distracted by your phone buzzing with a text or an email popping in on your device? Ever happened to anyone? It never happens to me. I never do that. <laughs> when you have something really important to do, do you ever find yourself binge-watching a program or doing something mindless and small rather than taking on the really important task that you know you really should be doing? Never happens to anybody, right? How many of you are looking at your phones right now, haven't heard anything I've said in the last 45 seconds? There you go. Well, always good to have someone honest. I, I just want you to be thinking about how you get distracted as we continue the scripture that John, from John 21. But before I read the rest of it, don't put it up yet. Remember that according to John, this encounter on the seaside, on the beach, between the disciples and Jesus happens after the empty tomb of Easter morning. It happens after Jesus appeared among the fearful disciples who had locked themselves in a house and Jesus had said to them, Peace be with you. It happens after Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It happens after Jesus appears to them a second time when Thomas is present. Tells Thomas, look, here, see. Put your hands here. And Jesus says, peace be with you. And he implores Thomas and all the disciples to believe and not doubt. And so after all of this, how well did the disciples follow Jesus' instructions? Were they paying attention? Or were they distracted? Let's pick up the story in verse 15. Well, they had finished breakfast. <laughs> I love that. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who was reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? 
When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. That's where the scripture ends. It's important to notice who goes on this fishing trip. And I can tell you, having walked out on the flats before dawn with Ben Gregson, he is someone you want to go fishing with. But in this particular fishing trip, in John 21, it's Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two others. Seven disciples sitting by the sea. Simon says, I'm going fishing. The others say, we'll go with you. And so they went, they go out in the boat. Now, just initially, does this seem strange to anybody? Because according to the fourth gospel, on the previous two Sundays, these seven disciples had seen and experienced the risen Lord. He had given them his peace, given them the Holy Spirit. He had implored them to move from doubt to belief. He empowered them with the mission of sharing the forgiveness and love of God with the world. Go get them! I mean, these seven guys had participated in a religious, spiritual experience of the greatest intensity, the highest importance. Now let's recall what we know about these guys, just briefly for a moment. Simon Peter is the one they all look to for leadership, and yet he was the one on the night of Jesus' arrest. He said, I will lay down my life for you. But in a moment of weakness, just a brief time later, three times he denies even knowing Jesus because he's afraid of what might happen to him or what people will think of him if they know he's a follower of Christ. Thomas, who always gets ripped by preachers, oh, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, blah, blah, blah. Well, look back at, look at John chapter 11. Thomas is the one who has the courage and the guts to say when Jesus says he's going to go and go back to Bethany and go to Lazarus and raise him from the dead. Thomas is the one, John 11 verse 16, who says, let us also go that we may die with him. You know, very courageous. And yet even after witnessing both the raising of Lazarus and putting his hand in the risen Christ's side, he still can't bring himself to believe. All we know about Nathaniel is given in John chapter 1 and John 21. In John chapter 1 and verse 45, Philip came to Nathaniel and said, We found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. How does Nathaniel respond to this incredible news? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can you imagine, in retrospect, how Nathaniel felt when this was all over? Of all the words you speak in an entire lifetime, only two sentences get preserved. For all of posterity. And half of those words do not exactly reflect your best self. But an unfortunate slip of the tongue. And yet when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel responded, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Great statement of faith, right? Boldness. 
Now, along with Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel, we have the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And while they're prominently featured in the other three Gospels, interestingly, this is the only joint mention of the two of them in all of the fourth Gospel. Only one. But we know from the other Gospels that these two guys, they longed for glory. They asked to sit at Jesus' right hand and left, and they said, anything you can do, we can do. Any cup you got to drink, we'll drink it with you. So all five of these men made strong, bold statements of faith and commitment and dedication to Jesus. They'll go anywhere, endure anything, even death itself. All five of these disciples have encountered the risen Christ and been commissioned. So what do they do? They go fishing. What is wrong with this picture? Is anyone else just shocked and outraged by this? I mean, what are these guys doing? And what can we learn from it? Well, the first thing that we learn is the post-Easter drop-off in church attendance is a really old problem. You know, I mean, maybe these guys were exhausted from all the events of Lent and Holy Week. And they said, I'm going on vacation. So they decided, let's go fishing in Galilee. Second, and slightly more important, is the fact that they're totally ignoring the command of the Lord, forgetting the commitments they made to obey and follow him. I mean, for heaven's sake, what are they doing fishing when they've got the greatest story ever told to share with people? In all of human history. It's almost as if everything that's happened to them with Christ hasn't impacted them at the level of their behavior, the level of their habits, even after having the most intense, powerful spiritual experience that, frankly, probably anybody could ever have. But now it's over. So they go back to what Peter, James, and John know well. Let's go fishing. Now, as an aside... We can understand that after all they went through in Jerusalem, that these experienced fishermen were probably greatly relieved to go back home, get back to the country, get to the comfort of a familiar routine. And when most of us are stressed out or feeling under pressure, you know, that's, that's, it's good and wise to have some downtime, you know, to get away, to be renewed. It's important. It's healthy. And having been to Jerusalem and Galilee myself, I can tell you I would much prefer to be in Galilee Understand being there. And oftentimes when you're undergoing great stress in your life, one of the things that you can do, which is a good, healthy coping strategy, is to do something familiar or comfortable that you enjoy that helps you relax. So they go fishing. But it's called fishing and not catching for a reason, right? Because they fish all night, catch nothing. And tired, I suspect... More than a little agitated, I just spent this whole night out here fishing and I don't even have anything to eat for breakfast. They're ready to head into shore and a man on the beach calls out to them, Hey boys, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Now I'm sure after being up all night and catching absolutely nothing, that this was not the comment most likely to elicit a friendly response. And the response from the boat is, 
No. And I'm sure that answer has been shortened and cleaned up for spiritual purposes. And the man on the beach calls back to them, hey, if you throw that net on the right side of the boat, you'll catch a whole bunch of fish. Isn't it annoying when some amateur who has none of your experience or education or training tries to tell you what you've been doing for years to make a living? Isn't that annoying? And yet when they followed Jesus' instructions, they weren't even able to draw in the boat because there were so many fish. And John recognizes it's the Lord. And he tells Peter, who jumps in the water like Forrest Gump going to see his mama, and the rest of the crew come in the boat dragging the net full of fish, and as Ben shared, Jesus already has fish on the grill, bread toasting, ready to eat. And as he is done with the 5,000, the 4,000, with the disciples on the night before he died, with the disciples after the resurrection, Jesus took, blessed, and gave what was available to those who were present. And maybe as they sat there on that cool early morning sand and munched on breakfast, they remembered Jesus had told them to fish for people and not fish. And as the morning sun climbed steadily higher in the sky, perhaps they reflected on the fact that their failed fishing trip was a reminder that Jesus had told them, John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Peter is once again at the center of the story in John 21, as he is with so many stories with Jesus, and he exemplifies the distractions of life that can trip you up. And I just want to run through a few of them really quickly this morning. The first is focusing on yourself. Focusing on yourself. Because when we focus on ourself, well, in, in, Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, for example, after another great catch of fish, in Luke's gospel, that's where Jesus meets Peter for the first time, Peter has his eyes on himself, and he says to Jesus, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter looked at himself. He looked at his own sin. He said, I'm not worthy, you know, to follow Jesus, and he's afraid. But Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Invites Peter to follow him, to help him draw others, because Jesus doesn't call you or me or anyone because we're perfect. He calls us to follow him. A second distraction besides focusing on ourselves is being overwhelmed by our circumstances. And this is one that's really easy for any of us to fall to. Back in Matthew 14, verse 30, while Peter is walking to Jesus on the water, which obviously took a, an unbelievable amount of faith, Peter shifts his eyes from Jesus to the waves and to the wind, and he starts to sink. And symbolically, we know we've all heard of sermons about, we take your eyes off Jesus, that's when you start to sink, and that's when you get into trouble. But it's true, and we're no different. And it's quite easy and understandable that if we focus on our circumstances, the wind and waves of illness, grief, uncertainty, anxiety, fear, loneliness, depression, doubt, addiction, problems of national and global scope, 
It is not a surprise if that's what we focus on and spend all our energy and time on. Not surprising that we're going to get distracted from Jesus, distracted from our faith, rather than using circumstances to focus more on Jesus and our faith when we need them the most. What a difference when we allow our circumstances to drive us deeper into the arms of Jesus rather than distracting us from Jesus. A third distraction that impacts a lot of Christians is focusing on other people rather than focusing on following Jesus and our own discipleship. This is one, honestly, I see Christians falling into over and over again. Jesus tells Peter he's going to be a martyr for his faith. And Peter's response to that is, what about John? Right after Jesus says, follow me, right? What about him? And Jesus basically says to him, that's not your concern. You follow me. Don't worry about someone else. Focus on following me yourself. I mean, this is after he's told him three times, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. Go love and serve and take care of people. Each of us is to follow Christ without being distracted by or preoccupied with other people, not their behavior, not their expectations, not their future. You can't control another person. But you can control how you choose to respond to other people and to your circumstances. That's what's within your control. And you don't have to allow others to distract you from the goal of running your race of faith with your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Like Peter, you need to overcome the distractions of life, being preoccupied with yourself, being preoccupied with your circumstances, or being preoccupied with other people. God's will for other people is not your concern. Your task, Paul says in Philippians, is to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Too much religious and spiritual energy is spent on distractions involving other people and outward circumstances rather than moving forward with Christ yourself. What do you have to do to move forward with Christ yourself? That's more important. Jesus basically says to Peter, God's will for John and anybody else isn't your concern. Follow me. John 21 reminds us that membership in the church, thankfully for all of us, is open to all kinds of faith. People who come in faith, imperfect as our faith may be. As long as we'll follow Jesus as best we can, support one another in love, and extend and receive forgiveness, all under the guidance and strengthening power of the Holy Spirit. Membership in the church of Jesus is open to all kinds of people. People like Peter, who denied him, Thomas, who doubted him, Nathaniel, whose tongue ran ahead of his mind, James and John, who thirsted for power and glory and control, and a cast of many other characters. And they and their spiritual descendants, along with the spiritual descendants of many others who we've met as we've been journeying through the books and pages of the Bible, they're all still present in the church today. All five of these Christ followers made bold professions of love and faith. And yet they were fishing 
instead of following. And friends, we are called to follow. Finally, remember, there are seven disciples, we're told, in the fishing party that day. Two of them are unnamed. And just like last week when one of the disciples was unnamed in the journey to Emmaus, I think once again, John intentionally leaves these names out so that we can see ourselves as one of those other two, sitting by the seaside with Jesus. And you and I need to decide, are we going to have an experience with the risen Christ and then go back when we leave worship, when we go out the door, so we just go back to life as usual like nothing happened? Are we going to go fishing and live a life of easily distracted, where we're easily distracted? Are we going to live focused on the last words spoken by the risen Christ in all of the Gospels? Follow me. Let's pray. Lord, we confess we live in an age when it is so easy to be distracted. We've got gimmicks and gadgets and all kinds of things to distract our focus and attention. We claim we can multitask on four things just as well as we can concentrate on one, and we deceive ourselves. God, we don't want to say you're important to us and then basically spend our life fishing instead of following. So, Lord, we pray. Help us not to get overcome with ourselves, with our circumstances. Help us not to be obsessing about other people and what they're doing and whether they're doing it right or doing it wrong. Lord, may we hear your simple words. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, follow me.